Welcome to the WatchQuant Podcast, where we discuss watch markets backed by numbers. This podcast is here to help you make smarter decisions about your watches and your watch portfolio, because we see your timepieces not just as accessories, but as crucial pieces of your portfolio. And so this isn't the, the Hodinkee podcast as much as we do love Hodinkee. We are not here to wax poetic about the aesthetics or the feeling of wearing a watch, although those things do count. Instead, we are here to dive deep into the watch markets, covering popular, surprisingly undervalued, overpriced, and volatile watches. While we focus on markets and the specifics behind them, we'll analyze trends, we will spot hidden gems, and we will understand market drivers behind the price movements that you see. Join us as we explore the exciting world of the watch markets, uncovering their secrets and the opportunities at hand. Remember, we are not here as investment advisors, and so anything you hear on this podcast is not meant to be investment advice. Always do your own research, and of course, consult with your registered investment advisor before making any investment decisions. All right, so as a quick recap on the last episode, our inaugural episode, we discussed the, the watch to watch of the week. We discussed the top 19 movers of the week as well. And it was important for us to discuss the purpose of this podcast. Now, I will always reiterate that purpose in the intro as we've just done. Uh, we do not ever plan on discussing what's prettier or what's cooler, but we will discuss the market dynamics of what's pretty and what's cool because that is all part of the watch market. The watch markets are unique because they're not just accessories. They're also not simple financial instruments, which are generally paper or digi digitized. Watches are tangible. They're style. They are accessories, but they're also investment. They have material value made of gold and uh, and platinum and palladium and all sorts of beautiful craftsmanship. Their art, just like art, has no necessarily intrinsic value. It's paint on like on a canvas, but art is valuable because of the beauty of it. And watches are in a very similar boat. So we're going to be covering today a very special piece of analysis that we've put together on WatchQuant. We put this together a few weeks back, and I mentioned it yesterday on one of our one of our social media posts. And interestingly, um, I've had a, a couple people reach out to me and say, you know what, I don't really get it. Will you, will you explain what this is? What is this saying? And that's exactly what I'm going to do here on this podcast. So let's get into what we call the value yield curve. Oh, when you hear the words yield curve, you probably think, oh, uh, like, like bonds, right? Well, sort of. The reason why we call the value yield curve a yield curve is because with watches, while they don't um, give a return necessarily like a, like a like a bond will, they do um, provide some sort of return, positive or negative, when you buy something at MSRP. So if you go to the store today to a Rolex boutique, or if you've gotten called by your AD, you go to the Rolex boutique, and they offer you a Rolex Cosmograph Daytona. And we're going to be talking about Daytonas today because specifically Daytonas are the uh, really the best example of where this yield curve is kind of interesting to look at. If you look at a Daytona and you go to the boutique and they offer you a 116500, that's the most basic model. It's a beautiful watch, stainless steel with a Cerachrome bezel, 
and it's probably the most demanded watch in the world even now if you look at that watch on a graph it trades for 25 times its intrinsic value beyond MSRP and therefore the yield is 25 units of intrinsic value and what do I mean by intrinsic value when I say intrinsic value for a watch I mean essentially melt plus a little bit of of value for the for the craftsmanship right because yes watches are pieces of art but they're not unique so they're not one of one therefore the intrinsic value has to be capped somewhere Uh, for a solid gold watch it'll be basically what is the melt value of that solid gold plus plus a little bit for a stainless steel watch it'll be what is the value of that stainless steel plus say a couple hundred bucks for the amazing labor that went into it and that's about that. So what we usually measure for a Rolex Daytona is about $500 of intrinsic value. Not because the steel is actually worth that. 904L steel is beautiful steel. It's excellent, but it's not worth $500 for five ounces of steel. No, it is worth probably $50 for five ounces of steel, maybe less. But we uh, at least give the benefit of the doubt to Rolex and say, hey, you know what? 500 bucks. So if that is, and it's like we're being pretty conservative here, when we put this um, this this curve together, and by the way, you can take a look at this curve anytime you'd like by going to um, our watch to watch and then clicking on the collection Daytona button. It's at the top of that watch to watch list, <clears throat> and it's there because the Daytona is perhaps the the most interesting piece of uh, of the watch market to take a look at to understand what's happening for watches. Period. Now, of course, as, as I've said in before, and I'll say it again, we do not cover every watch here. We will not be covering Hamilton. We won't be covering um, most brands. In fact, we're going to be covering, uh, like we're not covering Oris, even though they had some cool watches this year, right? Uh, but we're going to be covering the top five to six brands. Our, our website is basically indicative of what we cover. Rolex is probably the biggest brand in, definitely the biggest brand in the world. Um, we also definitely cover the other the others of the top two after that, AP and Patek. We don't cover Richard Mille because they are not liquid enough to be to really be worth studying in this kind of way. And also, as much as they are hyped and as, as cool as they look, they do look a little bit like the ones you got out of the vending machine. Sorry, guys. Um, I, I'm just being honest. Like This is what they look like to me. I know that they're epic. I know there's amazing horology going on there, but... We're not going to, uh, this isn't Hodinkee, we're talking about markets, and let's talk about something that we can actually look at as a market. So the Daytona, the family of Daytonas, modern Daytonas, that is, the six digits, are a really interesting case study in this market value yield curve because, as I said before, the steel models trade at 25 times their intrinsic value beyond msrp so if you take msrp out of the picture if you go to the boutique you buy the watch for fifteen thousand dollars now you have spent fifteen thousand dollars you take that out you have thirty thousand dollar watch you still have fifteen thousand dollars left over if you multiply the approximate uh, intrinsic value and what you end up left up with is a factor of 26 times or actually 30 times at 30,000 but the price has gone down slightly since then so what we see on our chart if you again follow along with me and you head to watchquant.com backslash dl backslash rolex dash daytona or if you just go to the watch to watch tab and click on the collection daytona button you'll see the case study right at the very top it's a two line graph so it's a line graph and it goes above 40 and below 40 
I'm sorry, above zero and below zero, uh, up to 40 at the top and down to negative 60 at the bottom. So this is a, uh, it's possible for, for something to have a negative intrinsic value and also the other line, which represents a negative or positive hype factor. And that word probably sounds a little bit strange to some of you, but the word hype is simply representative of, different from demand, of the amount of media coverage that a given white watch gets. So we measure that, we have hundreds of data points that go into that simple measure. And it's really important because if you don't understand the hype behind a watch, then you can't understand why a watch is trading at certain aspects, you can't, uh, or at certain prices. There are multiple aspects. In fact, in fact, I've written emails about this. If you check your emails, uh, a couple weeks back, we wrote a, a five-piece article about what makes up the watch price, and hype is one of them. There's demand, there's hype, there's intrinsic value, there's the extrinsic value, the brand, basically the value of the brand or the model, and then there is, of course, the artistic value, the productivity you get from being able to start conversations, this kind of intangible value beyond hype and beyond all of the rest. So beyond all that, if you put them all together, then you get a macro view of hey, is this thing made of gold? Is it safer than gold? Is it cooler than gold? And so there's actually kind of a sixth ghost that takes over all of them. And we're not here to talk about the entire macro. You were just talking about intrinsic value and hype today, but let's go over this chart. So on the green line on this chart, you're seeing our 26, 26 times on the 116500. If you go back one more, it's the 116520. That is the stainless steel with the black dial. Um, this one is trading at 19.3 times intrinsic value. So huge yield. In other words, if you were, basically the higher this number is, the more money you make by buying this watch at MSRP and selling it at secondary. Now, of course, that sounds great, doesn't it? Except most people aren't able to get this watch at, uh, from, their, from their authorized dealer at MSRP. And therefore, um, we don't necessarily want to see this all that all that high because if you see this at 20 times that it means that it's going to be a very expensive watch on the secondary market probably something that most people won't want to spend their money on but it's uh it's you know definitely a popular watch so what you may or may not think is obvious is that the other line on the same graph called hype factor is actually quite correlative with this with this um, measurement. So you're seeing a lot of hype for these for these steel Daytonas, um, the 500 black dial, the 520, with uh, and the 500 regular, all have approximately 20, 22, 25 times market yield or market value yield, and then that drops off a cliff once you get to the two tone. And actually, right now at today's pricing, the two-tone is at a negative 0.89, which means it's trading below MSRP. And the the hype value, the hype factor, goes below zero as well. And why did it go below zero? Because a zero is kind of a you know par for the course. It's a moving goalpost because as Rolex becomes popular or less popular, um, you have to have a dynamic zero. So zero moves. And up and below that, uh, above and below that zero is where the watches will exist. So right now, the two-tone 523 is um, you know, a beautiful watch, don't get me wrong, and the 503, also a beautiful watch, slightly positive on MSRP. That's because it has a, a different movement, a more advanced movement. But both of those watches are very close to zero in both hype and in value factor beyond the MSRP. So what do we learn from this graph? 
Well, first of all, I would consider this to be an inverted yield curve, similar to what you would see in uh, a dangerous or a correction territory bond market, which we actually do have today. And so is it possible that there's a correlation between the, um, the long-term and short-term yield curve um, and the steel to gold watch curve? Well, I'm not sure. By the way, I don't know if I explained this. I don't think I did. On the left of this graph, meaning all the way to the left, you will have your steel in the middle of this graph. You will have your two tones. And then to the right and beyond, you will have your gold, solid gold, and platinum watches. Okay. Basically, the more expensive, the more intrinsically valuable watches. Okay. Now, it's natural to see a curve, by the way, for almost every watch brand out there, for almost every watch model out there that is slightly negative for steel models and gets positive as the, as gold starts being added to the watch. So you have your two tones just slightly above zero. You have your gold watches just about a one or a one, 1.5. And this is for very popular. Like if we were in a normal popular kind of market without too much hype, you would see this kind of curve. This is probably what the curve looked like back in 2015, for example, 2017, where you know, gold watches took a little bit more of the hype, a little bit more of the market share because people knew that there was intrinsic value there. The steel watches, MSRP wise, were probably too expensive. I mean, let's be honest: is is a steel Daytona really worth even fifteen thousand? Considering there was only about five hundred dollars put into that watch, probably not. And if just saying that, if you own one of these, cool. But this curve is very important to discuss because if you put this curve out for any model family that has steel and gold watches and maybe two tones in between, or maybe you know a, a gold case with a, with a leather strap in between, something in the between, and you put it on a graph like this, you will, which, we, which we do for you, by the way, and you'll be able to see all, of, all sorts of this good stuff over the course of time as we improve and, and increase the amount of coverage we do. You'll generally notice a normal yield curve from lower to higher, but when you see it invert, and you see it invert like, very much so like this where you have your yield curves uh for the steel watches up up above 20x and your um, even with your hype super high but when your yield gets up that high and then you have your msrp yield <clears throat> on the gold watches at zero or negative when you get into the 519 the 116519 that's at 0.47 at uh, 598 that's a solid gold watch that's actually gone negative now that's your solid gold um, Daytona, that's actually gone negative now. And so 589, that's just negative as well. 599, that's negative. So there's, there's a whole bunch of these Daytonas that are negative. The white dial, black dial is positive. Black dial, that's black dial, yellow gold positive. Champagne dial, yellow gold is positive. Paul Newman dial is quite positive. It's uh, at a two. And by the way, this um, this range that I, that I mentioned before with uh, 40 or 50 up top above zero and a 60 at the bottom below zero is kind of crazy. You don't really necessarily want to see this big of a range. Generally, you'll see ranges, like I said, between plus five and negative five. And, and therefore, if you see the Paul Newman dial, solid gold at, with Paul Newman dial at 2.15, that's pretty high. You see your green dial, your John Mayer at 5.73. That's really where these watches should be, should be topping out. And you know that because the John Mayer dial, super hyped, it's at a 46.39% hype score, and that's because it's, it's mentioned all the time. People talk about it. It's in newspapers and magazines, articles, and it's all over the place, um, even now, but especially since it's been discontinued. It's got, only gone up, 
And the price is $100,000 for a solid gold Daytona. And don't get me wrong, it's a beautiful watch, but it's not worth eighty-nine or ninety or a hundred thousand dollars necessarily, right? So that's why we have that big number at five point seven three. If it were zero, it would be trading in MSRP. So this is basically how far above MSRP are we are we trading here? All right, and then as you keep going, you see essentially this curve is completely inverted, where you have the right side, even the platinum here, all the way at the end, is trading at um, blue dials trading at basically zero, which is insane. Um, you see your platinum and your blue dial white gold trading at zero and negative some, negative something or other, and the and the hype score for them are extremely low, below zero. Unusual, and so this is why we called uh, a correction coming in the steel market. We we called a correction. Um, in some words or another, in our emails a couple weeks back, and said this yield curve is indicative of a correction to come of a of a recession of sorts in steel watches, because the hype cannot last. Hype is mean reverting, just like fear is mean reverting. People don't, people don't stay scared forever, and they don't stay hyped up forever. And so hype will will go to another watch, or it will calm down at some point. And when it does, stainless steel watches will come back down to their MSRP, and at least this is what we believe and the gold watches will probably stay where they're at which is just above msrp because rolex is a highly wonderful beautiful amazing uh brand and, and if, if anything goes below msrp the curve should still stay this way where the, the gold watches are like stable trading slightly above where the steel watches are in relative terms relative to the msrp and the intrinsic value because everybody knows that gold's worth more than steel. Now, the market would disagree at this point and say that not everybody knows that, and that's certainly actually probably the case. The graph right below this is called market value underlying melt value per reference. The exact same references from steel on the left, two tones in the middle, and then uh, gold and platinum Daytonas on the right. You see it stair step up from almost zero. We have a $500 intrinsic value up to 1250 up to 4500 and then finally and that those are the 4500 are the uh the oyster flexes and then you finally get up to an 8000 and a 10000 8500 um prices <coughs> when i say prices i mean intrinsic value so this is what the gold is worth or what the materials are worth inside of the watches that yield curve or that curve is extremely positive from left to right whereas the curve we see up top is extremely negative from left to right and this is another way to see kind of the same thing. When we see intrinsic value going well up, but you see um, the intrinsic value over, uh, over yield or over MSRP going well down, that is a, a conflicting graph. And this is why it's an important graph. You can see essentially where the white space exists here. And that if you could, this is not the stock market, so you, you, you can't, there are no shorts in the stock market. But if I were to, ha like, let's say I had a stainless steel Daytona today, if I could sell it at $30,000 a hundred times, I would. And if I could buy a white gold Daytona with a blue dial at a negative um, yield a hundred times, I would do that too. Uh, now, do I have a hedge fund that'll do that? No, I don't. But um, anybody else out there who does might decide to take that kind of uh, that kind of spread trade now this is a markets podcast so i talk about spread trades i talk about technical things i'm not telling you what to do or i'm not telling you what's a good idea i'm saying it could be a good idea and this 
this type of um, <clears throat> this type of data and th these types of graphs here are highly indicative of real underlying information that you can take to heart because we don't BS when it comes to data. This data is coming from real sources. So um, on this page below that, you can click into any of the collection pieces that we cover and you'll be able to see the market ranges for them. And then of course, you'll be able to dig further into any of these if you just go to our regular explore section. But I did want to, uh, I did want to do a quick episode on this particular part because this value yield curve, you'll notice we've just done it for the Daytona for now. We're going to be doing it for the Daytona, but we're going to be doing this value yield curve um, so we can see what's inverted, what might be up for correction, and what might be completely undervalued or overvalued. In this case, we think that steel is still overpriced, even though we've actually seen a route in steel. We haven't done this yet for AP. We haven't done it for almost everything. So we're going to be doing this kind of collection page for every single popular collection, um, the stainless steel APs versus the gold APs of the same model. Uh, I would love to see that because if we could see that and we could trend that, you would see that the stainless steel APs have really taken a dive. They've gone from their absolute peaks in 2022 all the way down to, we saw a 50% drop yesterday in one, in one version, and we saw another 28% drop in another version in titanium version. Um, I don't want to misquote that. We saw the 262 uh, 26237ST stainless steel down 53% last week. That's not on average. That is the low, right? So that's the lowest price it traded for. And that was a good, that was box and papers. We never cover watches that are, you know, in bad condition or anything like that. And then we saw the 26290IO. This is the Grand Prix Titanium down 28%. And this is one of the cooler looking, in, more interesting dials on an AP used to be highly in demand now it's down 28 percent in one week and trading well below msrp so interesting stuff um let me know what you guys think and and if you think i'm just out of my mind the, the and that these steel watches are actually going to bounce back up and keep going up as the markets are in fear of a bank run or or do you think that we're, we're probably right here and that the fear is driving people into gold watches and that this this may continue or maybe something else uh yeah Feel free to let us know, and I hope you all enjoyed the, the, this podcast. Please do um, come, subscribe, refer your friends. We have a refer page. If you refer, you will we'll keep track of how many folks you've referred. For each and every person you refer, if they decide to utilize our concierge service service to find them a watch, which, by the way, is one of the things we do, then they you will get 50% of what we make on every single one of those orders for the first year that they're a member. So that's what our... Uh, invite a friend functionality is for feel free to do it it's very very lucrative for you if you have friends who actually like to buy watches um, if not and you just want to listen in please do come back next time for our watch quant podcast thanks so much and have a good one